Welcome back, Day Drinking with Dog. It is your host, Jeremy Wells. I am uh, very uh, excited today for our guest, uh, the one, the only, uh, Dan Patrick, the legend, Dan Patrick. How you doing, my friend? You know you're old if they use the word legend. It's nice to be called yeah, one, yeah. but you can't get there unless you're old, but uh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, it's kind of been a you have kind of been a goal of mine since I started this. I didn't and, think I had a choice coming on. Well, John, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Mr. Nolan uh, kind of pulled you in. After I, I went to the bar, I was drinking, because I told Dog, I said, I don't day drink. Right. He says, well, um, here's, do you want seltzer? And I said, I'll have seltzer. And then I find out that he's got a podcast called Day <laughs> Drinking with Dog. And he goes, you want to come on the podcast? I go, but I don't day drink. He said, you don't have to day drink. Yeah. <laughs> so as soon as I walk in here, first thing he says is, you want a beer? I go, no, I don't day drink. Right, right. Night drink. Night drink, No, yes. No day drink. I, I believe, though, you've had a beer or two at Seven Seas after a show back in the day. No? Oh, yeah. During the day? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I just, I don't like that feeling of having a couple of beers. Oh, like, your night's ruined. Take a nap and yeah. then you wake up and, and you're like, groggy. no, I, yeah. that doesn't feel good. As the title of my show does state, I actually am not much of a day drinker myself either. So, like, I, I just, I feel like, you're right, just I feel lethargic afterwards if I do take a nap, so. Uh, but are you more apt to drink because you're around drinking or not drink because you're around drinking? I don't really drink. I mean, I, I well, I mean, I, no, I mean, I drink. But, like, as far as, like, being as a bartender, it when I was younger, it was kind of that influence of it. Now it's, you know, I'm older and I'm just, like, I drink on occasion. I drink. You know, I don't, it's not. You can't drink at Stonebridge. No, no, no. While you're working. No, no, no. That's, that's not good. I don't recommend any bartender be drinking while they're working. You make worse decisions. <laughs> you already made a bad decision yes, being yes. a bartender. So, Mr. Conine, you know me uh, very well. Uh, so, but I was actually day drinking yesterday when you called me. So, I am in the process of trying to find new health insurance. So, I accidentally stumbled my phone number into a pool. And I get a million spams oh, a day. Yeah. So um, it was like a tournament for White Claw. And we were up in, uh, where was it? Uh, Plymouth, Massachusetts at Twin, or no, uh, I forget the name of the course. It was very nice, though. Uh, Pine Hills, Pine Hills Golf Course. And it was just, you know, tournaments take forever. And so I'm sitting in the cart, and if I see a phone number that I don't know, and I'm just like, you know, what? I'm just going to like in my head, I'm, like, I'm just going to like yell at this person. I'm like, hello. And you're like, and it's like Jeremy. And I'm like, yes. And you're like, oh, hi, it's Dan Patrick. I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> I, I, and I haven't answered one of those in probably three weeks. And then, so the, the fate had it. I answered it. And then uh, and then I cracked a nice uh, 280 yard drive down the middle. All excited. So um, so thanks again for coming on. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk. Uh, obviously, you're long. We won't say long because you're not that old, but your distinguished career. Mm. Uh, you started out, you were born in Ohio? Born in Ohio, went to the University of Dayton. Yeah. And uh, worked locally in radio in Dayton and was trying to get a job at the local TV station there and didn't get the job and then moved to Atlanta uh, after I got a job at CNN, uh, which was interesting. I couldn't get a job in Dayton, Ohio, but I got a job at CNN. In Atlanta? The yeah, in Atlanta. Yeah. And then six months later, I'm in New York covering, I'm, a, I'm on-air reporter for uh, Philly, New York, Boston, D.C., any stories that came up, and uh, stayed there for uh, a little over five years, and then uh, was at ESPN for 18 years, and I've been out of ESPN for uh, over 15. 15, right? Yeah. yeah over 15. Yeah. Was it 07 or 08, yeah, 07? somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a blur. Right. But yeah, not many people leave ESPN on their own. Usually you're told to leave, but you know, I got to the point where I just didn't think I was getting any better. I was going through the motions and I thought sitting in this anchor chair doing sports center, if I'm not all in on this, I shouldn't be doing it. Right. And I it wasn't a mid-career crisis or a midlife crisis. It was more of just if I'm going to continue to do this, I got to do it where it's a little more exciting. There's a little more tension or danger in there. Right. Because when you work at ESPN, I got those four letters. And those four letters are powerful. They can open a lot of doors. And I found out when I got out, those doors didn't open as readily as they did with ESPN. Yeah. 
but I'm, I'm glad I did it. I was able to stay locally, do my show in Milford. We were above uh, seven seas there for a few years, and then we moved over towards uh, uh, Monet Beach. Yeah, down on Naugatuck. Yeah. yeah. So we were, we, I wanted to stay local. I'd been traveling so much, commuting so much. I worked second shift for 15 years at ESPN, and I just I wanted to do it on my terms, no matter what somebody would label or view as a success or not. It was, I thought it was already a success because I was doing something I really wanted to do. Right. Now you actually started when you left ESPN, you started in your house, right? My attic. Your attic. Yeah. Yeah. So I had uh, my... How did the seven C's all come to fruition? Well, I wasn't allowed to run a business out of my house, I found out. Never live in in an association because they... Oh, where you live now, I won't say it on air, but oh, I know what you're talking about. We've got some rules and regulations, and um, we did three years there, and every morning, my guys, the Danettes, went up the back steps, third floor, we had built this great-sounding studio. There wasn't much to it. It was two bedrooms that we combined, and then we were told that you couldn't run a business because I had guys parking in the the driveway, and I went to Seven Seas, and... uh, I met with my producer, Paulie, and I said, you know, we got to find a place. And it just so happened that uh, Rich Smith, who owns Seven Seas, was there, and he goes, I got some space upstairs. And uh, he said it hadn't been used in 20 years, and it was an old ballet studio. Went in there, there's a mannequin in there, there's a refrigerator that I don't know what was in it, and I still (laughs) don't want to know what was in it. But it had potential. And at that point... I had aligned myself with DirecTV, um, and they carried my show, and they helped pay for the renovation of the place. And we put in cameras, because we didn't have cameras before that. But I thought if I could make something almost like you're, you're watching something closed circuit, that you get to watch everything. You're watching the sausage being made. And it... And it, I, I, it was something that was different. Nobody had done that. I had 11 cameras in there. During the commercial breaks, if you're watching on TV, you could still see what we were doing. Right. For the most part. We didn't have any in the bathroom. But we had them every place else. And you had the confessional little room. Yeah. had yeah. A, a room at the top of the hour where you could go in there and if you had something you wanted to say, and you could say it. So there, there were a lot of moving parts with it. But it was just different. It was fun. I was close to home. And we were having a good time, which I, it had been a long time since I had done that at ESPN where I truly was, I couldn't wait to get to work where it was really fun and, and we were doing things different on SportsCenter. And, and this brought that feeling back. Right. And, you know, I'm, I, I've never looked back. I mean, there's always hiccups there. And um, yeah, I didn't have a great relationship with ESPN for about 10 years. Um, because they tried to put me out of business. And, you know, I was just one person, and uh, they were right. an empire. Uh, but it it kind of empowered me because it told me we're, we're on their radar. Right. Whether we were or not, in my mind, I was right. like, yeah, okay. They're, they're aware of us. They're nervous about us. But the guys I work with, uh, three of the four have been with me for um, – uh, around 20 years, maybe, yeah. uh, uh, th- you know, Todd Fritz and Paul Pabst and Seton O'Connor. And I just said, you'll never have a better job than this. Right. Because there's no other job like this. Right. Uh, you get to be on TV. They've been in Sandler movies. Uh, we've gotten to travel to Super Bowl. I mean, we got to do a lot of different things. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'll be sad when that ends, but I'm just glad that. I took a chance because most people don't or can't take a chance when they turn 50. Right. I, uh, well, I'm, I'm almost there. 48. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love that show set up. Uh, cause you, you knew you were having, I knew you guys were having fun. Like you could just tell, like I watch ESP. I don't really watch ESPN much anymore at all. Yeah. Um, to me, it's outside of the 30 for 30 films and you know if they have football on or, or a basketball game i don't really watch the the debate shows and all that it just got i don't know if the, i don't know if the people are too young and the way they 
I don't know. I just stay away from it. It's not for me. Uh, I tune into you. I, I know. I don't know if you're in speaking terms with Colin Coward, but I watch him a little bit. Um, you know, it, I, I watch it a lot for the guests too. Like you always have, like because you cross over. Yeah. Like you cross over into the entertainment world, which a lot of sports shows don't. Well, I find that they want to talk sports. I want to talk music. They'll talk sports. So right. you kind of have this taffy pull of give me some music, and they'll say give me some sports questions. So you. You, you kind of negotiate there that uh, we'll have you on. You know, Darius Rucker will come on, and yeah. I want him to sing, but then he wants to talk <laughs> about the, the Dolphins. Yeah. But that's what's fun, and um, you know, getting people who understand what what your show is is really essential. Yeah, because when you get that, then they come on knowing that they want to perform, they want to contribute. Uh, will Ferrell's been unbelievable with. His availability, uh, Adam Sandler, uh, Brian Cranston, uh, Charles Barkley. I mean, there's so many of them that when they come on, they know they know everybody on the show. They know what we do. They know how we do it. And that makes my job a lot easier. I'm not trying to introduce who we are and what we right, do. Right. Now, you you are now allowed to have ESPN yeah, talent on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the beginning, you weren't. There, right? Yes. There was a, a thawing. You know, the great, great mm-hmm. ice age melted. Yeah. But I just went to management and said, I will make your people better on my show than they are on your shows. Yeah. And, and I said that. I truly believe that. That I will bring out a personality in them um, that they would not get at ESPN. And... Uh, They've they've been great. They 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 are they go out of their way to uh, put them on. But I live up to what I said. It I'm going to have them on and give them ample time and let them talk and bring out their personality. Right. No. And that's been the mission there. And Mm -hmm. we've we've you know tried to accomplish that. Be consistent. Now I remember when uh, and. He just recently passed away. Tony Siragusa was in town uh, building your man cave. Uh, I actually had first first sight at it before you did, I believe. I saw I was walking across from like Archie Moore's down to Stonebridge, and he was standing out on the street, and I I, I know exactly because he a lot of his fame came from the Hard Knocks. I mean, I know he's a football player, but he was the the number one personality on that show. And And he uh, came in, and he didn't want to build the man cave. He wanted to come back and take a victory lap after the man cave was built because when he got to Milford, uh, he said, do you fish? Let's go fish. He goes, let's, let's get some beers and go fishing. And meanwhile, his partner was doing all the work in the man cave with yeah. building our, our uh, set, building our uh, studio. But I, I've known Goose a long, long, long time, and... Uh, you know, he was such a big, literally and figuratively, a big personality. Yeah, uh, he was. He was great. I loved him when he was on the sidelines at football games. He was. Yeah. He was. He was. He was one of a kind for sure. Um, I read that you turned down uh, the Price is Right. Yeah. Yeah. Was that ever a thought for you? No, because at the time, was that right after you left is, ESPN, or was oh, it no, a little gap? No, it's a long time ago. Yeah, this had to be. The Spurs and the Cavs were playing in the NBA Finals. Okay. I guess that's late 90s. And I was getting ready to go to San Antonio for either the start of the NBA Finals. I think it was the start of the Finals. And I got a phone call, and it was somebody from The Price is Right, and they said, um, we would like to have you be the next host and take over for Bob Barker. And it came out of nowhere. Right. And then I said, well, I don't, I don't know, like, what's it pay? Like, what's the schedule? Like, all these things. And they said, if you take the job, we'll tell you what it pays. They, they didn't, never told me the salary. Really? I mean, I later found out what the salary was. Right. Maybe I should have taken the job. <laughs> but they said, you got the job. We just want to see what you look like on the set. We had checked with Bob Barker and said that we we're going to offer you the job, and Bob signed off, off on it as well. And I go, okay. We want to set up a temporary stu- uh, set, Price is Right set, in San Antonio. And I thought, you know, I'm covering the NBA Finals. Like, I, I, I can't even process this. And I said, 
I, I can't do it. I, I can't. But thank you, I can't. Right. Well, then all of a sudden it felt like, you know, I was on this lit, short list of hosts for game shows and had a couple other ones that were offered to me. And I thought, this came out of nowhere. And I never I never look back. When I watch Drew Carey, I'm happy that he's doing it. I mean, yeah. that, that wouldn't have... You know, I could have done that for only so long. Right, you couldn't, yeah. No, I, Not pull a Bob I'm Barker sorry. tenure, right? Yeah, I can't. Yeah. You know, hey, let's get excited yeah. for a new washer right. and dryer. Somebody dressed up as a bumblebee. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I just can't do it. Um, and I'm glad I didn't do it, but I was very honored that they, yeah, that that's they thought quite of me a, to yeah. be able to do that. So. Yeah. Were you, were you, wait, you were you in Happy Gilmore? I was not. No, okay. I, in the beginning... That would have been almost the uh, passing yeah, of the torch, right? With Bob Barker. Yeah. <laughs> but it was... I think it was a couple of movies after that when I started with Sandler. And I, it's been, I think, over 20 movies. Yeah, I was, I was looking at your IMDb. It's pretty... I, now you got a new one out called Hustle. Hustle. Yeah. I have not yet, yet to see it, but... Uh, That's got really good reviews and... Um, and you play yourself in that? I do. I, you know, I didn't want to play myself when I first met Adam Sandler. He said that he was going to put me in a movie, and he uh, said that I was going to be a police officer with a mustache. And the first movie I'm in is The Longest Yard. Yeah. And in the beginning, we pull over Sandler in his Bentley that he's taken from Courtney Cox. And I'm there with the mustache on playing a police officer. Oh, nice. So he put me in as a police officer. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Um, House Bunny with Anna Ferris. I arrest her. I was a police officer. And then he allowed me some other roles to play. I like the grown-up one when you're the I, top I was, of the... Yeah, Norby, the, yeah. Uh, the uh, ride guy on the yeah, slide. Yeah, yeah, Yes. But, but it... You know, he, he has fun with it. He wants you to have fun with it. He's, yeah. been, he's been a very generous friend. Good. I, I love all his movies for the most part. Uh, I remember watching him singled out, I think, is where he might have got his start. It was that MTV, MTV show with Jenny McCarthy. Could have been. Like yeah. the game show. And could've he had been. a lot of his characters. I mean, I'm sure he was doing stand-up at the time. But yeah. um, that's where I first uh, saw him. So take a little uh, two-second break here to... For my sponsor, Drift Cocktails. Uh, it's cocktails in a can, vodka sodas, uh, a few different flavors. And the guy, Doug from Drift, he's the owner, uh, texted me yesterday when I told him you were coming on. And he said he was one of the head brewers at Red Hook when the Audible Ale oh, was yeah. out. Yes. Yeah, that was a few years back, huh? Yeah, we went up there and uh, Red Hook was his sponsor. And I said, I'd like to create my own beer for the show. Yeah. And we went up there. And uh, they let us sample beers, and we had wings, and we wanted it to we wanted it to be a beer that you could have a few. And we came up with Audible Ale, and it won the the gold medal at the Colorado oh. like World Beer yep. Cup or some crazy. They had never Red Hook had never won anything, right? And this beer won a gold medal, and uh, I was always very proud of that. So yeah, yeah. that was like the microphone handle, right? Yes, the tap was. handle was, was a microphone. Yeah, was, I do yeah. remember that. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, he's a good dude. He's uh, living down in Florida and comes up here. We had a big launch party for their cocktail uh, like a couple Thursdays ago. Uh, good stuff. Um, so let's get into some now sports. Um, I feel like every the only thing people talk about is football and basketball. That's it. Like, if you watch the shows. Um, so let's get right into the NBA. Uh, I'm, obviously, you can tell. I'm a Celtics fan. I'm all Boston. A little disappointed how how it ended, but it was one hell of a ride to get there. Yeah. Uh, I like the moves they made, um, but as, as NBA as a whole, where do you do you like it from the eighties nineties? Do you like it now? I'm more of a old school guy. I I I don't like the analytics as far as three pointers pointers are concerned. That's all they shoot now. Center shoot them. I appreciate the talent. I don't mm -hmm. like what the game is. That's basically. Five guys standing at the three-point line. Uh, I like movement, uh, almost you know, run an offense. The offense there doesn't really feel like it's an offense, but there are some great talents. And it's not like I go, oh, you know, back in the day, this guy would have been better than your guy. But 
I do like my chances if you say, um, so I got Magic and Michael and I got Larry and I got uh, Kareem or Akeem or... Mm -hmm. I'll let you build your team now. You can have LeBron and you can have KD and you can have the Greek Freak. I like my yeah. chances. Yeah, yeah, same. Uh, and and it, it and you go back in you know that era. I think they were just they had a little bit more structure in their basketball careers coming up. AAU wasn't uh, as important. They went to college for usually two or three years. Tim Duncan went for four. Grant Hill went for four. It felt like you got a little bit more coaching, and as a result, you played basketball in a way that you took, and fundamentals sounds a little too old school, but you understood the nuance of the game. Like, pure athleticism can get you through today. Right. Back then, you could have pure athleticism. I mean, Michael Jordan had more athleticism than just about anybody, but he also had the fundamentals from Dean Smith. Right. Isaiah Thomas had that from Bob Knight. So you had these players, Grant Hill had it from Coach K. It felt like you understood the game a little bit more on how to play it as opposed to, let me just get out there and we'll go up and, and down. Run up and, and down the court. shoot. Right. Uh, there's, you know, LeBron could play in any era. Uh, you know, Greek Freak would be probably a post-up guy. And like, it's, it's strange how you look at the big men now as opposed, what would Shaq be now? Right. Because he can't be anything more than a low post player because he can't he shoot. can't shoot. Now, if he grew up in the era of shooting, would he have been able to develop a shot? I don't know that. Would Jordan have been a three-point shooter? Imagine the threes that Bird would have shot. Danny Ainge had to encourage Larry Bird to shoot threes. Really? Nowadays, oh, it's... he's shooting 10 a game. Right. Um, Reggie Miller, he would shoot at least 10 a game. I mean, it's commonplace for these guys to shoot, but you would have great shooting. I mean, Marcus Smart is shooting ten a game. He should not shoot. <laughs> no. yeah, he shouldn't shoot any three. Yeah, he. But the but only he, time he. Yeah, exactly. But part of his problem was, I think he thought he was Steph Curry, and then finally realized that he was not. Right. Like you're Marcus Smart. There's things you do well and things you don't do well. You're not a three point shooter. No. Nope. And even he can dribble, drive. He can, you know, he can score around the hoop, but but he can't. He he doesn't run an offense, and no. that's why they brought in Brogdon. Brogdon yep. And I like Malcolm Brogdon. Mm -hmm. he, you know, he's no frills, but you get a guy who understands how to hold on to the basketball. And the reason why the Celtics lost is turnovers. That was the number one. I yeah. mean, they were all. I mean, I, yes. Brown Brown to me, and Tate, I know Tatum had like the record for turnovers, but I, I felt Brown was just as bad because every time he tried to drive, he would just bounce it off his knee or off his foot. Or... But a lot of times you go in and then you think you're just going to kick it. Right. That, that's what, that's what the offense is. Yeah. yeah, like yep. drive and kick, kick, drive and kick. Well, if you drive and we play the perimeter, and Golden State's a good defensive team, mm -hmm. that's what frustrated them, that you would drive. And I always thought, just go to the hoop. Right. Brown and Tatum, just go to the hoop. And then try to get free throws there. But you're watching, they, they keep, you know, they're repeating the same mistakes. And I, I just thought, I don't know if they can play differently. Right. Whereas Golden State knows what, Golden State didn't ruin it for everybody else, but they did give you the false hope that you can play this way. Right. People think they can be Steph Curry. Well, they can't. Hey, we can be Clay Thompson instead. No, you can't. That there's nobody like those two. No. Now there might be some time down the road, but you look at it and you go like Tiger. You, I don't want to swing like Tiger does. Well, great. Right. You know, pick up the pieces in your back, your vertebrae. Yeah. You're not going to be able to hit it like he does. Right. But we see these guys who make it look easy. If you watch a pitcher and you go, God, he doesn't even look like he's throwing hard, and he's throwing 98 yeah. miles an hour. That's why they're professionals. That's why they do it. That's why they're unique. And I think a lot of times when you watch basketball or any sport, you're going, I can do that. And then you realize, no, you can't. No. And these are professionals right. who think they can do it. Right. And they can't. I mean, I, I relate a lot of stuff in life to golf. Like, I mean, you look at some of the athletes in golf and they don't look like athletes, but the things they can, I mean, you've golfed, you know it, you golf. I, I got out there yesterday. It was 40 mile an hour winds 
we were right near the water and it was you know i couldn't hit a ball through it and then we had this group behind us they must have all been semi-pros because it was like a paved tournament to win something to go to pebble beach so all these it was cheap too so you know these foursomes were probably all scratch golfers and they well, were just... athleticism comes in different shapes and sizes look at john daly yeah john daly is is still a, you know, a very good golfer and has athleticism his hand-eye coordination is wonderful uh the flexibility he has is incredible now you might not consider golf a true sport but it's like nascar right. get in a car and drive for four hours in that heat where you're making split-second decisions right. going 180 miles an right. hour. There's some athleticism mm-hmm. in there. A lot like, of it. Like, you can die in your job. Right. All I know is when you go and it's a sport and you can die, die in your at, job, yeah. I'm going to call you an athlete here. <laughs> Very good. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, like, I like the moves the Celtics made. Uh, there's still a lot of dominoes to fall, though. We got KD, we got Kyrie, that drama. And now I just read... Uh, What's his name on the Jazz is back on the market. Donovan, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these moving parts. I mean, it's still in the middle of summer. We'll see how it all shakes out. Uh, I believe the Celtics are the odd, are the favorites in Vegas right now. Yeah. Um, slight favorites. Slight favorites. Yeah. Uh, Golden State could easily run it back, uh, and they're not done making moves. But do you think? I th- I think Kyrie and Katie probably stay. I just think the that whole. Rudy Gobert trade kind of screwed up everything for everybody. Like, now everyone's going to ask for the moon and the stars in these deals. Well, if, if I'm the Nets, you know, I just draw, drive a hard bargain. I just say, you know, to KD, look, you, you wanted everything, you got everything, and now you want out. Um, we have to get something of equal value in return. If we can get that, then we'll accommodate you. But if not, then I'm just not going to accommodate him and Kyrie because they want out. Right. I mean, at some point you have to just say, why don't you live up to your contract? Right. Okay. We did everything you asked. We brought in Steve Nash, got you with Kyrie, you know, it paid you your extension. Mm-hmm. Just live up to your contract. I don't know if Kyrie loves basketball. Um, I don't know what he loves. And if you <laughs> send him to the Lakers, Okay. Now, the Lakers don't want to negotiate against themselves. So let's say they offer a first-round pick in 2027. The Nets say no. The Lakers are going to go, well, nobody else is bidding on mm-hmm. him. Then you're going to keep him. But if I'm, I'm the Nets, I try to convince Kyrie to just play one more year. You know, be a model NBA player. I'm not saying citizen. Just be a model player. Go out and play. Play like 70 games. Right. And then you're going to be more valuable, the more successful, and then there'll be a market for you out there, or we'll re-sign you if you know we think you and KD actually want to stay here for three more years. Right. I don't know if that will happen, and I don't know if you can use logic with Kyrie, but that would be my approach to them, because they wanted Steve Nash as their coach, and Steve wasn't ready for this moment. Right. Well, Kyrie even said himself, he said, you know, we're all going to coach kind of together. Like, it doesn't work like that. You know, he should have coached because he wasn't playing. Right. Yeah, right. He stood on the bench and coached. (laughs) Right. Um, I don't think Mitchell moves either. But, well, you know, you had Manning. I think he will. You think so? Yeah, I think Danny Ainge is blowing it up. GM is, yeah. Once you you get all those draft picks for Rudy Gobert, well, if I'm Donovan Mitchell, what am I waiting around for? Right. And that's that's why I think that Donovan Mitchell will be moved if you could send him to the Heat or the Knicks. I think the Knicks have a real chance at him, uh, which is rare that they get a, right. a, a, a big name or a name player in his prime. Usually they get him at the tail end. But if you could have him with Barrett and Brunson, okay, you got something interesting there. Now, you had Mannix on, was it yesterday? Uh, yeah. And he, 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 he was saying it's the, you know, like, like the players run the league now and the owners are soft. And like, like yeah. to your point, you just said, like, they need this, like, all right, you, we, we did everything you asked for, like you just said. And I think that's what's the problem is the players kind of control the league now. Yeah, but you let them control right. it. That's what I mean. Yeah. And that's it, why the owners are soft. It's like you see parents where the kids are yelling at the parents. Right. Well, that wouldn't fly when I was growing up. Yeah. But then you want to be their friend and you want to do everything that they want you to do. And 
you know, eventually you got to say no. Yeah. You, know, you got to make these guys. I'm always amazed that the guys who are billionaires, they made their money elsewhere and then they don't know how to run a team. Right. They made all the hard decisions to get yeah, where they got. Business, right. No matter what the business fired is, people run it as yep. a business here instead of tiptoeing around Kyrie or KD's feelings here. That you're paying $50 million a year. Yeah. I mean, I should get a return on that <laughs> right? to a certain degree. Right. Not like an Ellsbury contract. Um, so what are your favorite teams? Don't have them. Don't have them? Did you ever? Yeah, I grew up in Cincinnati. But, yeah. But it's easier to be um, unbiased and cover sports. Because if, if you knew I was a Bengals fan and I said something about the Steelers that might be construed as negative, you'd say, well, he's just he's right, a just a Bengal fan. fan, right? Or a Reds fan. And when I got to ESPN, I stopped rooting. I, I just I disavowed not any knowledge of my fandom, but I just disavowed those teams when it. And my job at ESPN wasn't to tell you that I'm rooting for the Reds or the Bengals. I'm there to cover sports, right? And, and we had anchors, and there's anchors there now who do that. It's not part of your job. Your job is to be, this is the worldwide leader. You're not working in Cincinnati or working in New York where you can say we. Right. I just, I, I never felt that that was right. It's, I may have loved teams. I may admire players, but I root for a story. It's all about content. Just give me the story. I don't care. If like if Dustin Johnson wins the Open Championship and he's a member of the Live Tour, right? That's a good story, right? Whether I agree with Live and what they're doing to the PJ Tour or not, it's content, mm-hmm. and content is king. When you have stories to tell and you can keep telling those stories, that's all I care about. When you do three hours of live radio and TV, you just want to have things that are interesting you can talk about. What is uh, this? Is actually a question from one of my friends. Uh... What was a moment that you attended, a sports moment that you've attended that like was just kind of took your breath away and you sat there and you were like, you know, I was part of this, part of this moment. Jordan against the Utah Jazz where he hit the jumper to win the title. Yeah. And then interview Jordan right after that. Oh, but, wow. But you're watching it and you know what's going to happen. For some reason, they didn't double cover him. I never understood that. Yeah. I never want the best player to beat me, ever. I, I, I don't care if it's Scottie Pippen or Bill Wennington or Steve Kerr. If they hit the shot, great. The odds are not in my favor if Michael's got the ball. Right. Or Steph Curry's got yep. the ball. Or Brady's got the ball, you know. On a final drive, yep. <laughs> yes. yeah. I just don't want you to have the ball. But to be there and see it, um, to be there for the flu game, I mean, I've, I've covered so many different things. Uh, magic hitting the the short hook shot in the Boston Garden. To oh, that was a killer. I was a kid then. Oh, that was a killer. But to watch Bird win championships, uh, Michael, uh, Final Four, Olympics, World Series, Bill Buckner, ball went through his legs. Uh, I was there at Chase Stadium. So I've, I've just... I'd almost have to open up a scrapbook to <laughs> right. remember all the things I that I've you done. Would. But my yeah. favorite that you, I know you were there was Malcolm Butler. Yeah, I was in the end. I was in the end zone. Yeah, so I'm right by the goalpost. And if you ever see a picture showing that angle, I'm right under the goalpost because I'm going to hand out the trophy. Yep. And as soon as the game ends, you've got five minutes where they bring out the podium. They, like they set it all up. Right, it's all ready to go. Yes. Yeah. And you got to grab the microphone. The commissioner's up there. you got to take inventory of there's Mr. Kraft and there's Grunk and there's Brady, there's Belichick, there's Edelman. Uh, so I'm thinking I'm going to interview, interview the uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Right. So I got, okay, Russ will be there. Uh, is there going to be a defensive player there? Marshawn Lynch nice. up there, Pete Carroll up there, Paul Allen, the owner. Like I'm, yeah. You start to do that. And the game changes. Yeah. Just like that. And my angle, I see Butler, and I didn't know if he interfered with him, and then I didn't know that he intercepted it. So I thought, it okay. And when I saw Russell go back to pass, I went, oh, no. <laughs> because I thought, have a run-pass option or right. Marshawn Lynch. So I'm staring at Marshawn Lynch. I think Marshawn Lynch is going to run right into the end zone, right towards me. Yep. 
We didn't get the ball, obviously. Russ goes back, quick drop back, and then throws it over the middle. I go, oh, my God. And then I thought, okay, they live to have another play. Right. And then there's this mad scramble. Right. And see all the Patriots players running. Oh, he was going crazy. Then I go, he intercepted that ball. So now, first thing I'm thinking is, okay, they got to run out the clock. Okay, who's the MVP? Well, Butler's got to be the MVP. And then, uh, okay, Brady will be there. Kraft's up there. Belichick's up there. You start thinking about the questions you're going to ask. And then you get up there and you go, where's Malcolm Butler? Right. And, you know, you're waiting. Somebody has to tell you who the MVP is. And you got usually... Two questions for the owner, two questions per guest. So I got to get Kraft, Belichick, Brady. I brought in Gronk, and I think we even squeezed in Edelman. But it happened so quickly. Right, the, the players aren't even aware they got to run up to the podium, probably because they're well, all they, thinking they're going to lose. They're celebrating, and then all right. of a sudden they just go, "Come on, you're right. going, you're going, you're going," and then you're up there, and you got a hundred million people watching that moment yeah and your job is to just get through it and get off the air yeah that's all you know here you go say what you want to say and a lot of times owners owners think it's like night at the improv and they try to grab the microphone where you never give up the microphone ever and i had robert Kraft have his hand on my hand holding the microphone he wanted it because yeah. if I give it to you, you're not going to I mean, yeah. we got we got a time frame here, uh-huh. and he, you know, he's like, you know, how about the New England Patriots? <laughs> you know, and I'm going, all right, hurry up, hurry up, and then was I, he day drinking that day? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I always think he's drunk but at the end of these things. I, I just I I let him. I ask him two questions, and I say, all right, thank you, Mr. Kraft. Bill Belichick came over, and you know, Belichick's not going to go right. along. And then Brady came over, but you know Brady acknowledges the fans, so you got to factor in, build in a little time of he held up the trophy and he's pointing to his family, and so there, there's a lot that goes into that. But that moment was the other time it happened was the Steelers against the Arizona Cardinals. Larry Fitzgerald scores on this long touchdown towards the end of the game. Roethlisberger gets the ball back, two minutes to go, leads him down. Sent Tonio Holmes has the touchdown. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Un- oh, that they'll toe tap in the end zone, yeah. right? Yeah. Ben should have been the MVP. Mm-hmm. What he did on that stage, two minute drill, was incredible. And so I went from Arizona. I'm going to be interviewing Kurt Warner and Larry Fitzgerald and uh, uh, Mr. Bidwell, and you're, and all of a sudden it's like, no, now I'm I'm interviewing. Right. Uh, ben and uh, Tomlin and uh, was Bettis Holmes. on that team? No, 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 Bettis wasn't there. And then you got Mr. Rooney. Yep. So you got, it just happens in a split second. And then you, you're not sure, did Holmes get both feet down? Yes, he did. Touched right, it. right, okay. right. Now all of a sudden you look up and there's you know, seconds left and then it happens. But those moments to be down on the field to watch that. And I was there when the Giants beat uh, Brady twice. Uh, when Eli uh, was up there, and was the MVP. Yeah. And he did a... This is a sore spot for me, by the way, just so you know. No. Uh, <laughs> but go, keep going. But he was the MVP. Uh, but I think he had a, a local car dealership uh, sponsor. Sponsorship, yeah. Like Nissan or Toyota. Yeah. Well, the MVP gets this black Corvette. <laughs> Well, he doesn't want to be seen, seen with, with it. the keys. Yeah. So I'm I'm reading a card and it says you know and 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 blank is the MVP of Super Bowl and so I'm reading it and then I turn I have the keys I turn around and Eli is walking off the stage. So I'm in front of a hundred right. million people right. and, I, and I have to yell like Eli, <laughs> Eli, here get your keys. Right. And he still has that. Corvette, I think down in Mississippi. But yeah. I just, it's live. There's nothing you could do. Kevin Hart tried to get on stage when the Eagles won, and he's drunk, and I can hear him. You know, he's got that voice like this. Yeah. And yell, I'm, I should be up there, and I'm an Eagles fan. I'm like, yeah. is that Kevin Hart? And you can see the little guy down there yeah. trying to get up on the podium. I'm like, he can't come up. I mean, it'd be right. TV. Right, right. He can't get up here. It just, 
crazy things happen up there. Were you at the wardrobe malfunction game? I I covered it for Sports Center. Yeah. Yes. But I wasn't on the field. I was just reading an article the other day about like where has Timberlake been? And obviously they say it like ruined Janet Jackson's career. Um yeah, I felt, didn't I didn't think it played out that that dramatic, but I felt I mean, like he never truly, truly took ownership right, of that. Right. And she paid the price. Yep. And he kind of got away. He kind of got away scot free with how he treated Britney and how he, you know, what happened in the, the yeah. Super Bowl. But, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's JT, right? He can get away with that. What um? Do you have any insight on what happened with Malcolm Butler and why he is back in New England? Mm-mm. No, that's no. just like the biggest mystery, huh? But I also give credit to Belichick because he doesn't talk out of school. Yeah. Nobody's ever said, said this right. is why you got benched in the Super Bowl. Malcolm's never said anything. No. And and now he's back. Like it feels like that in Deflate Gate. We want to know, like, what is the story behind this? And it feels like Malcolm Butler is the one that's a bigger mystery than Deflate Gate. Right. Well, they just kind of proved all that wrong, didn't they? Recently, Deflate Gate. As far as as far as the the uh, what was it? They I read an article that that basically exonerated Brady in the whole situation. Well, but. There's also a lot of incriminating evidence about well, the two never, guys that, you know. Yeah, you can't have a guy called the and his phone gets all And his phone gets destroyed. Yeah, you can't call somebody the deflator. Right. You just, <laughs> yeah. you, you just can't. You right. Know, it'd be like calling the guy um, the steroid, but he didn't have anything to do with steroids. Right. Do I think Tom had somebody deflate the footballs? Yes. Probably, yeah. But quarterbacks should be, you should have a football, and the opposing quarterback has his football. And then do whatever you want with it because you have to play with it. Right. And then you get, if Aaron Rodgers said he liked it. Overinflated, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, if Tom wants it a little uh, underinflated, so what? Right. What's the difference? Like, it doesn't matter. Your team has to catch that ball if you throw it. Mm -hmm. Um, They did talk about if you have a football that's a, a little less inflated, it's a little more pliable, and you can hold on to it better if you're a running back. Right. Uh, whether that factors in, but I do. I believe Tom did it. Yes, like the cover-up's always worse than the crime. Right, right. Well, and, it it right. is. And it, in that, I mean, so now, now we, now here we are dealing with Deshaun Watson and all this stuff. I mean, four games for Brady for something for an equipment malfunction or whatever you want to call it. I thought was. I mean, it turned into this. You must have ate it not, up. Oh, I, I yeah, right, done. right. But if you lie. Or you cover up. Mm-hmm. It's not that he deflated the footballs. Do you think if he just came out and said, "Yeah, I did," he would have gotten suspended? He might have, but it might have been one or two games. Right. If he said, "You know, hey, you know, we we take a little bit of the air out. Sometimes they get overinflated, and we have them, you know, whatever." Right. You could throw yourself on the mercy of of the commissioner, maybe. But keep in mind what happened to Roethlisberger with his sexual assault at mm-hmm. you know a bar in Georgia. That was six games, now went down to four. So sometimes we look at the same punishment for something. Like Brady did this and Ben did this. What's Deshaun Watson going to get? Calvin Ridley is gone for a year for betting on games, and I don't even think there were games he was in. Right. But it, I always thought, you know, when I was in grade school or high school, that it felt like the principal had a sheet there that said, if you do this, you get this many wax or you get detention for this amount of I don't know if the commissioner has this where he just kind of opens up the desk and goes, oh, so right. what would you do? Uh, it's like a chart. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because the, the Patriots have certainly tested the commissioner oh. with Robert Kraft, uh-huh. with Spygate, Spygate. With Spygate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, Patriots are in our office again. Hi, guys. And then uh, they've lost numerous draft picks over the years. Yeah. yeah. They did the one against the Bengals, right? They were filming the Bengals. Oh, yeah. And they're, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's... Hey, some pe- some people say if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, right? <laughs> but if you get caught, you're right, right. You got to pay the it's price. It's cheating if you get caught. If right. you don't get caught, then it's not cheating. Right. So NFL is about two and a half weeks away from training camp. Um, what what's? Uh, I think the AFC East or the AFC East, the AFC is just loaded now. Yeah. Uh, NFC is probably three four teams tops. But uh, how do you see this season playing out? Obviously injuries and everything. You can't really. No idea. Yeah. Um, you know, can you 
have the best record in the AFC with 12 wins. Mm. Somebody goes 12 and 5. Maybe. Right. AFC West is... They're going to just beat beats. each other up. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be a couple of teams that come out of nowhere. You think the Jets are one of them? They're no. heavy. They're, they are going crazy in Vegas over them. Yeah. I just don't see it. Um, no, not yet. Like, eventually... Like, the Jets are like the Knicks. Like, eventually they might get it right. Eventually. Eventually. Um, but Like, the Bengals got it right, finally. Yeah. You know? But, so, if they can do it... But I don't know about Zach Wilson. I think of all the quarterbacks in his draft, he was the one I thought could be the bust because he didn't really do much when he was at school in BYU. Yeah. I think he went into his last year, didn't even know if he'd be the starter. You know, these one and basically a one and done guy. Right. I always have my concerns. Like Trey Lance as well. I don't Well, I'm not sure about he's just really young. Um Dwayne Haskins, the late Dwayne mm-hmm. Haskins, had the one year where yep. he was unbelievable at Ohio State. You get those guys, i got to see a track record. There has to be a larger sample size. But, uh, you know, Buffalo, we keep waiting. Like, Buffalo and Josh Allen, they're, they're going to be the favorites. And I look at the NFC, and if I'm Brady, one of the reasons why I come back is i got a good chance to still be mm-hmm. in the playoffs and maybe go to another Super Bowl here. Yep. Because Aaron Rodgers lost Devontae Adams. Now, granted, Brady lost Gronk, but... Uh, he wasn't... I think, yeah. He, the old Gronk, anyway. When, when you get to the playoffs, that's when you need Gronk. Right. But you start to look at the NFC teams and go, all right, who do we know who's going to be legitimate here? Um, you know, can I trust Jameis Winston in right. New Orleans? Right. Um, is there a surprise the team in the NFC? There? Well, there is every year. Right. There's always one or two surprise teams where they... Like Baker and Carolina? No, that's not a surprise. <laughs> that's not the surprise team. No, no, they're not. But you, you get there's always two that surprise you in a good way, two that surprise you in a mm-hmm. bad way. It always feels that way because the schedule is catered towards teams that aren't very good the previous year. Right? Is Dallas going? Well, to I was be just going to say, is Dallas that team? Or Philly? Philly? Philly could be too. I think Philly is better than Dallas. Um, but you know, the wild card is Jalen Hurts. Um, yeah. If if he is consistent then you know the eagles can do some real damage there but seattle i don't see that san francisco they have the talent but they don't have the quarterbacking position settled arizona i just i'm not all in on kyler murray yeah me neither sold on him but you know you start to look around with these teams and you go wow i didn't you know there'll be a rookie or two i mean joe burrow was sacked 60 oh, some yeah. times and they still went to the Super Bowl. Right. It was like eight times against the Titans or something. Yeah, right? but he, yeah, he yeah. was sacked more, yeah. more times than any other quarterback I think who's gone to the Super Bowl. And of course his season ends on a sack by Aaron mm-hmm. Donald. Yep. What about my boy Mac Jones? He's okay. Yeah. He's all right. I mean, I got high hopes for him being a Pats man, but. We played well last year. I think he did. I think a lot of it was just short routes, though. I don't. I mean, yeah, they, I don't, they don't really. They're, they're airing it out. Yeah, asking him to do too much. Um, you know, he's not Tom Brady two point No, but and they just got rid of Nikhil Harry. Yeah, <laughs> well, how are you going to replace that <laughs> for a for a what seventh round pick round next pick. year? Yeah, <laughs> in two years. Yeah, but Mac, jo- Mac Jones is at that position. If you just take care of the football. That's half the battle. Yeah. Like, make good decisions. Yeah. Now, how much talent do you have? Can you throw the deep ball? Can you throw guys open? Like, Tua, when you're in Alabama, everybody looks good in right. Alabama. Yeah, your, your line weighs 3,000 pounds. you got a great running back always, yeah. and you got, you know, four guys who should be on the Olympic relay team. Right. Most of the time, you're just throwing it, and they're open. In the NFL, you got to throw a guy open, and that... That's the real hard part. That's the difference between good and great, great and Hall of Fame. Yeah. And Tyreek Hill said it this week. He said, you know, this is a make or break year for him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and it is because they usually give you at least two, if not right. three years. And then after that, then you go, maybe this isn't going to work out. Or you don't want to extend them. Right. And give them $35, 40 $45 million. Do you, do you see Burrow having a, having a bounce, uh, not bounce back, having a regression this year or... They're 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 here for the long haul. They're they're well. They signed some free agents. 
on the offensive line, and they drafted on the offensive mm-hmm. line. So they try to shore that up. Yeah, so if you do yeah. that, if, if you accomplished all of this, now, did they catch lightning in a bottle? Perhaps. But, you know, the Browns will be better, we think, but we don't know about Deshaun Watson. The mm-hmm. Steelers, a mystery here. Uh, the Ravens, you got Lamar, but that contract, contract situation, the they don't have great skill position players. They They've got a great traded away in. their best receiver. Yeah. Yeah. As did Kansas City. And the Bengals might be able to, you know, replicate some of that success, get 10 or 11 wins there. It's really just get into the playoffs because then, you know, matchups are so important of this is what we do, this is what you do. And then, you know, who's who's going to be better at doing what they do? And that's why the Bengals surprised a lot of people. Defense, not known. Um you had some good skill position players, and Joe Burrow was the real deal. Uh, but you had some of these quarterbacks. Justin Herbert, he was supposed to be a project. Right. He's not a project. Came right in. No, he's, he's, yeah. he's right there. I think the Raiders, Raiders could be one of those sneaky, but they're in the AFC West. I, I like what they've done, and Josh McDaniels hopefully helps Derek Carr. They got some skill position guys, and... You know, they might be one of those yeah, they could teams be. where you go, wow. They oh, are. Yeah, they could be that 12-win team. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Denver's got Russell Wilson now, so yeah. I don't know how much that sways, well, sways the needle. But, he's great, but he's also 30, what, 2, 33? Yeah, I don't worry about that. Yeah? No. But I, I worry about these young players on the team. Is somebody going to be, like Jerry Judy, are you going to be a great player or not? Right. You know? Um, he seems like a little bit of a head case too. Well, I don't. I, I'd like to see. I'd like to see him want to be that number one guy and prove that he's a number one guy. Uh, that, and I thought they had a team that was ready to take it to the next level last year, and uh, so I'll I'll stick by that. But that's the AFC West. I mean, it's tough sledding there. You may you may finish last place and have ten wins. Yeah, it feels like right. It's like, wow, <laughs> this is really competitive. That happened to the Patriots the year uh, the year Brady got hurt. They finished eleven and five and didn't make it. Yeah, yeah. Who knows what would have happened if they made it? Stop living in the past. Why? Move on. Why? No, Move what? on. No. Move on. I wish I wish I was like you. I you, wish you I had about Steve Grogan here. Well, Tony Eason. To, no, not Tony Eason. Um, I wish I was you. I, I, I wish I, I wish I could disassociate myself with teams and just root for no, good games. No, I'm envious of people who get to root. I, 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 I miss that pain that you get when it hurts so oh. bad. But the joy, I never have those emotions anymore. Right. I, I right. just don't. I'm not vested like that. But the people who do, I'm really envious of it because I know what it... When Ohio State would lose to Michigan on Thanksgiving, it felt like every year when I was growing up. I mean, it crushed me. Yeah. It did. It, it, it ruined the rest of my year. But I was, I was invested in it. Right. And there's just something to be said for that. I mean, it, it's, it's fan. It's fanatic. No, I, I've been like this my whole life. Uh, I got a lot of good friends. We're all Boston guys. Uh, my buddy of mine has his own podcast. And he actually bleeds a lot more than I do. I, I'm, I'm actually very good at getting over a loss. Like the 07 Super Bowl against the Giants, the 11 Super Bowl, and the Philly one. Next day, I'm on to my life. I don't cry over spilt milk. It is what it is. But I start to feel that maybe that's because my teams have won like 13 championships yeah. in 20 yeah, years. Has any sympathy for you. <laughs> but I grew up in the 80s. I yeah, mean, we had the Celtics and that was it. Yeah, but imagine the kid who is like 18 years of age in Boston. Yeah, and you're going. Oh, you know, yeah. we haven't won a title in forever. Yeah, you know? like shut up. Yeah, you know, you got. Well, it's like a 13 year old Yankee fan. Great, uh, yeah, but you had all the sports. Yeah, you know when the, the know. Celtics won, Patriots were winning. Red well, and not only winning. not only did they win, they were getting there. Yeah, I mean the Celtics lost two finals. The Bruins lost two finals. Uh, the Red Sox, I think they only they won every one they went to before, and the Patriots lost three Super Bowls too. So. It's been a pretty good run, Hell yeah. but uh, yeah. there's no sympathy. Yeah, no sympathy. I, uh, I do, I do say though, the passion is. So I am not married, but my girlfriend has a 12 year old kid, and he's unfortunately a Yankee fan. But 
uh, we I took him up to the playoff game last year, the one game playoff against the Yankees, and just watching him watch it, you know, made me feel like a kid again. And when Aaron Judge got thrown out at home, I mean, I've been to World Series games before. I've been to Fenway and some crazy shit, but that stadium was just crazy. Like it was shaking. It was pretty, pretty amazing. I felt like a kid again. So I, I do, I do appreciate sports for that. But Celtics lost Game Six. Next day, well, off to work. You know, yeah. I just don't have it as much as I used to. But I find now you obviously have the in with all these guys, the retired guys. Now, I've golfed with some ex, you know, through Richie Conine, the Walter Camp Foundation tournament. Chris Berman was, like, hosting it last year. They don't even watch football. Like, I think you had Terry Bradshaw on your show once, and he was like, I, eh, I just kind of, eh, it's a job. Yeah, they did it. They, they, right. Like, they, 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 have, they don't even want to, they want nothing to do with it. They have no interest in shooting hoops. They, right. I mean, Charles Barkley gets paid to watch, and he doesn't want to watch. Right. And says that I don't want to watch it, or it's not good basketball. But, you know, you you watch, but I think if you played and it's your job every single day, or you played at a really high level, why are you watching somebody do it and it's not at a high level? I think when former players see somebody do it at a high level or do differently, that's when they're intrigued. But for the most part, they probably look at some of these games and go, meh. Uh, yeah. yeah, is it is it kind of like a star player becoming a coach, and they're like, you know, these guys aren't playing up to the way I play, and it's frustrating for them to watch. I don't know if it's get off my lawn type stuff, but I do think that there's, you know, when you do it at a high level, it'd be the same thing if I'm watching somebody do TV or do radio, and they just sort of did it. Okay, mm-hmm. but if somebody does it in a unique way, uh, you know, they have different stats or their approach is different. Okay, then I, there's, I'm, there's a curiosity there. But for the most part, having done this for, you know, better part of 35, 40 years, right. you know, it's, it's a job. I don't watch sports when I get done. I don't listen to talk radio when I get done with my show. Um, to the contrary. I mean, I was watching Better Call Saul today. Um, I just, I, I have to almost decompress from it because it's it's there. It's it's omnipresent where you're just constantly inundated with updates. I mean, it's all there. So when somebody says, oh, how, you know, what's your work schedule? I said, it never stops. Right. I turn off the microphone, but it never stops because something happens. You try to call somebody. Uh, who's the guest? What are we talking about tomorrow? All of those things. And then after a while, you're just like, I'm going to watch Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives or Main Cabin right. Masters. Right. Just, just something. I got to separate from right. it. But, right. Uh, people want want to know if I want to go to games, and I don't, because I I get more watching a game at home because I have to I have to talk about the game mm-hmm. in a way that I've seen the replays. The controversial call. I've heard what the announcers have to say. Right. You go to a game, you're like, you know, yeah, you're confused. What's going on? Ballparks yeah. where you go, where, where's the right. replay? Right. We're so used to that. Yeah. Like, where's the replay? Yeah. Oh, there's no replay here. You yeah. go to a Cowboys game, you got to look up at that big scoreboard. Your, yeah. your neck is, you should be in traction at the end of the game. Oh, okay. I used to have season tickets to the Patriots. I got rid of them. I was just like, I mean, it wasn't even about the money. It was just. Like you said, like you know, I got a nice sixty-five inch TV at home with surround sound, and don't have to wait know, in the line. Don't have to wait in line in bathroom. You know, like my beer isn't fifteen dollars. No it's, assholes right. there yelling and yeah. Screaming. And I was a little nervous taking Braden to the game because did he wear a Yankee? He stuff? did, he oh. did, and he took it like a man. Like he, you know, it was it was a close game. It was a great game. Um, and I told him, I said, listen, win or lose, just it is what it's just a game, you know. So I know when I was twelve, I probably would have been much more upset uh, being in his position. But you know, and we and we had, he had a great time. It was his first time going to a game. So, um, dog, you've worn out your welcome. Yes, we went from twenty minutes. You promised me twenty minutes. I, I gave you twenty minutes. Times three. Exactly. <laughs> See you lie. All right, Dan. A couple more things. That'll get you out of here. Got to hurry. I'm five ten, two thirty. Where did that all start from? 
Rob Dibble used to tell us his height and weight. Oh, did he? <laughs> every, it felt like every show when he worked with me, he'd give me his height and weight, and I'd go, okay. So we, we did it as a reminder of him doing it every day. He, he still didn't pick up on it. Yeah. Like, he still told us, you know, he was 6'4", 245. Ding. And who, who sings the Stat of the Day song? Oh, we have Will Ferrell did it. What was the, 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 the was it Guar? Guar, uh, no, that was... Josta. Uh, oh, Jamie Josta. I actually had his guitarist on from Hatebreed. That's their yeah. uh, that's their beer. Yes. Yeah, he's yeah. been on the show. He did it. Uh, Darius Rucker did it. And Melissa Etheridge did oh, it. Oh, nice. Stat. So the stat of the day is this day, 88 years ago, Babe Ruth hit his 700 home run. Yeah. That's, that's all I got. <laughs> no. Is that good? Yeah. All right. Dan, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really, I could talk to you for hours, but uh, no, you did I, for an hour, an hour, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I have parting gifts for you, so no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. But when you talk for a living, the last time I know, you I, I know, yeah. So I, this is a hobby. This is your job yeah, for me. For but me. I'm glad to be able to do. It. I, I appreciate it. So now I don't have to do it for a couple of years. Uh, it's twenty minutes each year. Oh shit! So yeah, oh, sorry. You didn't really explain that so too the, well the other day. So the longer we go, go this right. might go into four years. Oh shit! All right, well we'll wrap it up. Day drinking with dog Dan Patrick. <laughs> thanks so much for coming on the show. Actually, next time in three years when we do it, yeah, we'll do it later at night and we'll have some beers. But then it's not day drinking with dog. That doesn't matter. I'll just post it the next day at noon. Okay. <laughs> Dan, thanks so much for coming on. And uh, everybody will be back tomorrow because we did have to bump somebody today for Dan. So shout out to Crystal and Nick. They're opening a new bar down in Devon over by your mom's, uh, your mom's, your wife's place. Sorry. <laughs> but shout out to Walnut Beach Creamery. Walnut Beach Creamery. The Twix ice cream. We carry it at Stone Ridge. It is my favorite ice cream. Uh, they're opening up the old Alphas right around the corner. It's going to be called Nautilus. They are coming on tomorrow. We're going to uh, promote them up. So thank you. You're welcome. Thanks again, Dan.